Welcome to the Hotel Analyst podcast. As is usual, each week, Andrew Sankster, the editorial director of Hotel Analyst, gets together with me, Chris Bound, the editor at Hotel Analyst, to discuss three topics that have caught our eye in the last week or so in and around the hotel investment space. This week, we're going to start by having a look at uh, Easy Hotel, which has recently announced some results and given us a little bit more colour on what they plan to do next. This, of course, is a business that bizarrely is still a, a stock market listed company, although it's effectively owned by two groups of investors. Um, and they've had a good run, uh, getting quite a fast expansion pace uh, in and around the UK and Europe. Uh, but with the change of ownership last autumn, there's been a bit of a boardroom shuffle. Uh, and Guy Parsons, the ex-Travelodge uh, boss who came in and has been quite a driving force to speed the growth of uh, Easy Hotel, has uh, left the building uh, to be replaced by new individuals, um, including one who's coming across from uh, EasyJet. So, Andrew, what, what was your view on the new, nuanced changes to the, uh, the strategy going forward? Um, I was struck... By the contrast, if you look at the Easy Hotel story and you contrast that with Oyo and um, what has happened there, uh, how much <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of, of a different you, scale? Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. quite. Uh, but but essentially, this is you know similar sort of idea, um, similar yeah. market. If anything, um, you know, I look at the Easy Hotel idea and it seems so much more solid than than the Oyo idea in yeah. terms of what it what the offer is. Because I mean, what well, Oyo isn't doing anything super fantastic. It's it's you know sort of franchising at the very bottom end um of the marketplace i guess what you'd describe as the long tail bit of the hotel market those tiny rather undercapitalized mum and pops as his americans would call them um it was targeting them and it did it did very well in in the indian market because there's a very there's a lot of them um, um such establishments in the indian market and it has built up a you know commanding market presence in in india and it's attempted to do that with less success in china and now really seems to be having problems as it enters the us and the uk with it um and i think why i think easy hotel you know has a edge is that there's something new with it in terms of well look we can put rooms where you normally wouldn't be able to put rooms you can come in you can have windowless rooms we can actually drive a return into those underused bits of your your property mm -hmm. and I, I think there is a significant edge with that and I think they could perhaps done more have done more with that um, and in terms of the you know w where it's gone wrong well it actually simply hasn't got to scale anywhere near quick enough to be able to to actually be a compelling proposition because one of the things if you look at those numbers in, in easy easy hotels results is just how big the ota share has got and mm -hmm. how and how challenged it's been trying to reduce that down well if you're going to be a you know one of your key cells is being a distribution channel you've got to be more effective at that and you've got to have a bigger market presence and then you know it simply hasn't there hasn't been um you know the rollout in sufficient scale to give it that mm. and it's really hard to see where you know how easy hotel will ever 
get to that point and that then you sort of start going well what is it then if, it, if it's not really a sort of brand distribution platform it, it's just sort of an idea for you know getting a hotel orange and um <laughs> as opposed taking, to oyo red yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. quite um, and uh, you know that 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 seems to be the issue and and is it is it anything any more solid than you know the oyo proposition i think we're easy can score and is scoring is it's gone down the vertical integration route it's owning um, and operating the hotels and branding the hotels i think that is where it can make a mark and it can come out and do something a bit different and this is where i think oyo really i'm not quite sure where it goes from this point and just how serious it's going to be i was struck uh, reading the ft this week um that kind of press is um there is such a thing as bad publicity i think when you look at the the <laughs> The, the 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 article the ft wrote about oh yeah this this week um, where it was talking about job losses it was talking about it it the complaints that hoteliers had in um in terms of what what the oyo offer was and this is something we'd be written about earlier in terms of what's happened in the indian market mm. we, we'd picked up on the press reports etc in the indian market about what oyo are up to and that, that that's just being replicated at at an earlier stage in the uk market and the US market so it, it looks very problematic it looks um, the comparison has been made with WeWork and of course they've got the SoftBank as the big backer yeah. uh, in both cases and I, I, I do think actually um, um, SoftBank would have done a lot better if they'd have got behind Easy Hotel which looks a lot more solid proposition actually now then we're going to move on to have a look at um, another uh section of operational real estate buildings with beds uh, not specifically hotels but do have a large amount of crossover um, that's uh, build to rent property residential property or, or the private rented sector prs um, and been having a, a bit of a close look at another uh, operator in this space in the uk again one that's got a an ex-hotelier high up within the organization and he's certainly helping to ensure that they they deliver a, a very strong suite of uh, of services to their residents not their tenants uh, as they call them uh, and that's uh, a, a the company behind this is, is Quintain. The brand they've uh, called their, their rented properties is TP. And they've got a great big uh, development in North London around the Wembley Stadium. Uh, Andrew, what, what particularly impressed you about uh, what, what they're up to there? Mm, well, I, I, I'm going to bang on about our strap line, our new strap line at Hotel Analyst. Um, the, the intelligent source for the hotelization of real estate. And this is what we're seeing um, here in in what I, I guess the more gen general term would be multifamily. It's private rental um, uh, accommodation, but uh, um, um, built to rent, call it what you will, but um, um the more most generic term um, globally is is multifamily, um, and this is a big big area of investment. So the the Savills report, which came out in December, showed that alternatives now are over a third of the overall institutional investment in in the property market, um, and within that third or. 36.4% as it was in um, 2018 
um, about to be uh, is it estimated to be a probably a similar level in 2019 when the final figures uh, are out which will be shortly one presumes um, the biggest slug of that is by far multi-family um, and um, it, it it's uh, accounts for 15.6 percentage points of that 36.4 percent so a big big slug of it is multifamily um, significantly bigger than hotels so nearly three times the size of hotels not quite two and a half times the size of the overall investment volume in hotels and what's interesting and exciting for hotel people and hotel industry professionals is that that the key to unlocking so much of the exciting bits in multifamily is expertise in supplying hospitality-like services. Um, and what we're going to see more and more of, uh, as we've seen um, in this story, are senior hospitality professionals taking um, leadership positions in companies like this as they seek to exploit the opportunity within operational real estate and at the end of the day hotels have uh, or since they were created done the kind of things which people are trying to do with these the new areas in multifamily in terms of rather than just treating um, the occupiers as tenants you've actually got to start treating them as customers and start supplying them with a service and hospitality professionals are those with the skill sets which will enable those um, services to be supplied in the most efficient and effective way yes and, and, and a conversation i had with uh, russell marco who's uh, who r helps run things over at tp in wembley um was was really quite uh, quite a, an eye-opener you know they 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 absolutely exist to keep their their residents delighted um and that's that's how they are they're going to be sure they'll they'll stay so it's all it's all about retention customer retention and but looking after them in a way that keeps them absolutely delighted is is ensures they stay and um they've they've got a, a wide range of of services they've they've turned some of the kind of classic elements certainly of the uk rental market on their heads you don't have to pay a deposit you don't have to sign a fixed term contract you can even bring your pets um and all this sort of stuff is the stuff that tra tra traditional letting agents would would tut and say oh that's all impossible um and uh, he was telling me one story about uh, a couple who've uh, who moved in early on um in in tp's existence uh, then they got married moved to another apartment and then they had a had their first first baby and moved to another apartment they've only left because one of the couple has, uh, has got a new job which is uh, way out of london so um uh, but uh, that that's the whole point of the exercise as far as he's concerned is to keep looking after these uh, these residents in a way that they just will never want to leave and in fact the the other kind of thing that really helps with with the the size of the project in in Wembley which will eventually feature about seven and a half thousand homes is they've got a whole variety of different blocks which have different styles different looks and different um, sizes of apartments so they can actually help people kind of move from uh, singletons to uh, being being families um, so quite quite an impressive setup uh have they got much public space in it? I haven't looked at the project. Yes, there's itself. a fair bit of public space, and I think they're. Um, what's what's also really interesting is how they kind of use feedback from their residents to help drive what they do next. So there's going to be more uh, resident-led events. 
uh, they're making sure that the retail spaces at the bottom of the blocks are are filled with um, retailers that um, the, the residents actually want to go shopping at uh, and then they're, they're also they've although they, all the apartments for example have got washing machines and they've discovered there's some demand for a kind of s some small-scale laundrette to kind of perhaps launder bigger items uh, and they're thinking well how can we make laundrettes that actually are fun to be in not just where you're going to sit bored for 45 minutes while you watch something going around in a big big tub um, and then they're also interestingly thinking about moving into creating co-working spaces just because some of the people that live in their apartments would actually like to go and work in a slightly different space uh, down down the road or, or down on the ground floor of their their blocks so um, very interesting how you know things are kind of um, morphing as they go yeah, the whole live work piece. Yeah, yeah very interesting. Now we're going to get on to some tech next, um, off the back of uh, the news that Accor has uh, signed an agreement with, with Sabre. They're going to develop some super-duper new platform that's going to manage everything a hotelier could possibly need managing online, and um, no timescales, no costs, but uh, a nice long wish list. Um, and... It, it seems that some people have said this is just Accor catching up and uh, perhaps uh, admitting they, no, they they can no longer just paper over the cracks from all the different systems that they've uh, they've acquired as they've gone around buying up other and integrating other businesses over the over the last few years. Um, Andrew, this looks like it's going to be quite a big uh, big trick to pull off. Yeah, I mean, you you um, wrote in your piece, Chris, about the very similar relationship that uh, Intercontinental Hotels Group has with Amadeus in terms of bringing in that outside technology expertise. And I think this is the central point here, and this is the struggle for hoteliers, because at the end of the day, hoteliers are never going to be uh, technology companies that's not what they're about but they have to have um, competency and they have to be relevant um, digitally and that's a challenge for them because um, they're not going to be able to hire the very best tech brains in because um, at the end of the day if, if you were a if you were a recent sort of tech graduate where would you want to go and work do you want to go and work for a hotelier or do you want to go and work for a leading tech company and it's quite obvious <laughs> yeah. which is going to further your career um so this stuff makes a lot of sense and what's interesting actually this this month well last month actually in late january uh saber announced a 10-year deal with google um so even a company like saber which has been one of the pioneers in terms of uh technology and travel it was saber back in 1960 they first introduced semi-automatic flight reservations and that went on to the to become the global distribution systems and they added on a hotel capability and all that kind of stuff um, but even with all that background um, Sabres had to reach out to the uh, uh, the giant that is Google you know the sort of one trillion dollar market camp company that Google is um, to to buy in expertise and they're working with uh, Google's cloud unit and they're going to be accessing um, the technology and working with Google to develop new things there's lots of the usual hype you read in these tech tech uh, press releases to build the future of travel and stuff like this um, but putting that hubris aside I, I think it does seem a very good move for for Sabre and consequently I think it's good news for Accor to be tying in with a company like Sabre I mean the challenge I think for Accor is how it leverages all this technology and how it you know it's the execution that matters um, 
and that's still a, a work in progress i mean i think uh, IHG is further down the track with this and we're beginning to see some of the fruits of that work with Amadeus. Um, Accor's specific thing I think right now is its its loyalty scheme where it lags its main global major competitors and the, its Accor Live Limitless thing it's gonna it, it's trying to give that a bit more saliency and trying to make it more relevant to people on a regular basis as customers on a regular basis rather than just a once or twice twice a year when there's when the punters turn up to the hotel make it much more frequent interaction with them um that that the execution of that is a challenge but i think with this new tech relationship with saber that will help that and uh, this whole thing that Accor talks about in terms of augmented hospitality um it does seem to be making the most noise of all of the hoteliers about this stuff uh, let's just see how well it can actually deliver on and the, it. the one thing that uh, our good friend peter o'connor warned about was uh, if you're creating one of these big all-encompassing we can do everything systems you need to kind of avoid the hotel california problem where you you create something that's so all-encompassing that uh, people either have to jump on board and become totally reliant on it and therefore find it very difficult to get out of later um, or risk them never wanting to come on board because they're worried about not being able to get out later <laughs> yeah well what once they're on board that's less of a problem i, I think it's uh, the stickiness factor is, is quite useful i think as a hotel brand company but you're absolutely right but i i, I think some of that uh, there's been a lot of progress in sorting that out now with different systems able to talk to each other i mean for a long while we've had ridiculous scenarios in hotels where you know you'd have a point of sale system that couldn't talk to the the back of house system and the the reservation system and they're all separate and unable to communicate and that was just nonsense but we there's been a huge amount of progress trying to bring that all together and i think uh, long last we're going to start seeing that and actually start seeing how digital can genuinely deliver a uh, better customer service so i think there's a massive opportunity um, for companies to do that and um just to repeat the point it's about the execution and we look forward to seeing it and hopefully enjoying a smooth simple experience as customers too at some point in the future yeah i must just i must just relay the one tale about tech companies because my favorite is when you go in to see google at their at their office you um in london you go in and despite them being a tech company you you fill in the form at at the desk at the ground floor and then you fill in the form again when you get up to the <laughs> level of um, um, the person you're meeting at Google I mean, admittedly there are other companies within the building but even so you'd have thought they'd make up the whole experience a bit slicker maybe a bit of facial recognition or Ooh. something but, um, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe not. but you know e e e even there they can't they can't you know even even when you've got that <laughs> the size of Google that's it's not entirely seamless or brilliantly executed no well that's a scary note we'll finish for this week and say bye for now <laughs>